uh, revolutionary leaders, they start with something that's a crazy idea or to the outside world is deemed like crazy and weird and we don't want to go anywhere near there. Yet that's actually how change happens when we are brave enough to move toward or create something that is, is missing. And so Aloha, my beautiful viewers and watchers and listeners. My name is Krista Ralaxmidetan coming to you from beautiful Texas today. And here in Abundance um, in Action podcast, we believe that each one of us, we have a treasure box inside. And once we open it, we can start to live our dreams on our terms. And today we have a very, very special guest uh, on the other side. And um, this is Elizabeth Wood, who I actually personally met in Hawaii many years ago. Uh, welcome, Elizabeth. Oh, thank you so much. It's just such a delight and, and a true pleasure to be with you again, even if it is only over the internet. Yes, it's been uh, quite many years. I think last time I saw you was 2011, if I have my records correct? <laughs> uh, uh, 2011 toward, or 2012, we were in winter coats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, do you remember how we met? I, so my recollection is that um, I, I believe I was already in the Watsu pool. And you and another friend uh, dropped in, literally dropped in to the waters slightly after the start of this class. And that second, that moment, I was very, very curious as to who you were. I was very drawn to who you were. And I knew I wanted to know more. So it actually was at the, in the Watsu pool at Kalani. So our bodies actually, I think they called it dolphin dance. Yeah. And our bodies were actually colliding and gliding. Uh, gliding is a better word. But if there was a collision, we, we were dancing together in a beautiful Watsu pool. And what a better way to get a, a really deep sense of your energy um, without words. Yeah, getting to know someone. Uh, hoo -hoo, aloha, let's dance, mm. dolphin dance. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> is that the way? same recollection you have <laughs> yeah it's it's actually that uh we jumped into that class because we we had been to an introduction um class with uh, the teacher and then um she was saying that hey i'm gonna do this like a uh, little mini class and we're like wow we are here and then our common friend daniel uh, just jumped up and said if you guys don't have a place to stay i have a cottage you can stay in and I remember the price for the night was $30. Can you imagine? Oh, Can't my. Get anything yeah. for that money nowadays. No, and, and that, again, speaks to the aloha spirit because Daniel, yeah. what a beautiful human being, knew that, that he could help accommodate you. And actually, your stay was extended, if I recall. Yeah. And then later we came back with, I, I told my, uh, you know, Daniel that, you know, I'm going to come back in six months and bring a bunch of Estonians and I'm going to show them Hawaii. And he didn't believe, but uh, fair enough. Six months later, I was there with a bunch of Estonians. Yes, you were. Yes. And magic, <laughs> yeah. magic happens wherever you go. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I recall one very special moment. Also, you were the person who actually 
uh, took me, um, I, if I remember also with some of your friends, um, to the Yoni Cave and um, also later to the Lava Walk and uh, to stand so close to the flowing lava, that was like, you know, something so incredible. I couldn't believe it. Like I thought I my draw to Hawaii was like dolphins, but when once I saw lava, I knew that, wow, I'm here because of lava. So, so these two like experiences, like mind blowing. But then you also, you were so brave and you were like, hey, I would like to introduce, uh, you know, orgasmic meditation to you. I don't know. Do you remember, recall that one? <laughs> well, so it was, it was happening on the island and I had a sense that that was something that really would, within your body, you would start to really thrive and the bubblings of the, the orgasmic energy, they were just, they were just calling. Um, and so, yes, I, I seem to recall that as well. Yeah. So there we were. I remember I lied down in that little cottage and I could see when I was looking out, I think I could see papaya. So <laughs> it was a right by papaya right there. And you told me the story how nine months ago you put the papaya there and now it was like ripe and, you know, uh, bearing food. So it's yeah. kind of like, like a human body nine months, you know. Yeah, so, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I probably, hopefully I gave you some because on that piece of property, the surrounding was all papayas. So yeah. hopefully yeah. you got to taste, you got to taste that fruit after learning um, orgasmic meditation. Yeah. And so uh, after this experience, because um, that was around the time when I also actually started to do Tantra and uh, brought some Tantra masters to Estonia and was one of the few first ones who actually there to even advertise that, you know, we will do naked massages so that when people came, uh, we preferred to do like the tantra massage so that nothing was, you know, covering the body. So which was by that time really revolutionary because Estonia was, you know, um, occupied for 50 years. We couldn't, we didn't have uh, freedom of speech. And of course, part of that was also no one was talking about like intimate things or uh, sexuality. So, um, so that was like a revolution. And then, of course, all the rumors went around like there is orgy happening in Christos place, you know, <laughs> because people were so like judgmental about, you know, this kind of like opening. And um, right after that, like a um, couple of years later, I, uh, every time I passed through New York, I started to look for orgasmic meditation. So they had like these uh, group gatherings where people got together and, um, you know, so men were stroking uh, women's, um, you know. They were stroking the clitoris, the clitoris yes. only. And the yes. reason that I backed you up was because orgasmic meditation and their, their brand, it yes. was teaching people the presence of just that particular part of a vulva. Yeah. So um, they weren't stroking the vagina. They were stroking just the clitoris, which is part of the vulva as yeah. is the vagina. So yeah, yeah it was it's yeah. quite an experience. Yeah. And then to see like, you know, room full of like 50 people doing that all at the same time. Wow. That's like really like unheard of. And then the same, I did the same also in London. So it was really cool to see that, wow, there is a movement going on. Like you can go 
um, different places and where they have done the classes and courses, you could join the community. So that was something like really, um, really, really crazy, but yeah. really amazing, crazy too. Yes, and so. and yes, and I think truly the the um, progressive uh, revolutionary leaders they start with something that's a crazy idea, or to the outside world is deemed like crazy and weird, and we don't want to go anywhere near there. Yet that's actually how change happens when we are brave enough to move toward or create something that is, is missing. And so I, I forever applaud um, the, the schools or the um, corp, not corporations, but the communities that came together around sexuality. So I, I just think what, what they did was very brave, very courageous. And I am forever changed because of that experience. Yeah, so true. But now, before we dive deeper um, into the realms of any, anything to do with the female, female, mystical, you know, inner outer world, um, let me just also uh, read this um, beautiful introduction um, so that people can also situate a little bit uh, themselves, where you're from, how you have uh, come to this moment. So, Elizabeth grew up in a household with three sisters outside of Chicago, Illinois. She didn't learn much about sex in school nor in her childhood home. What she did learn was about disease and how not to get pregnant. She received zero information about her body's pleasure and how to enjoy it. After receiving a master's degree in social work, she was a licensed therapist for many years. But the longer she worked as a sex therapist, the more frustrated she became by the medicalization of sexual dysfunction. As she saw it, the medical model paid no attention to a person's lack of experience, connection to their bodies or their sexuality. So Elizabeth willingly gave up her license and walked away from the traditional world of sex therapy. It was then that she began to study comprehensive evidence-based sex position, sex education, somatic healing, tantra, spiritual sexuality, and other modalities addressing sexual health and wellness. Her learning took her far outside of academic textbooks and further into the more holistic way of helping people with the problems they had with their bodies and sexuality. She explored pleasure and the female orgasm extensively. Today, she provides sexual education and healing resources through workshops, public speaking, and provides coaching sessions to those who identify as women and couples. Along with her business partner, Dee Hartman, she authored the book, The Pleasure Prescription, a surprising approach to healing uh, sexual pain, to give hope and real solutions to those suffering, most often alone and in silence, from unwanted pain at the vulva or during penetrative sex. Wow, quite a journey. <laughs> It's quite a journey. Uh, it's been it's been a, a long road. I have I'm a weaver, so of many of the traditions that you spoke about, and there are many, because once I left left the academic textbook world of dysfunction, there was so much more out there. Deep traditions of sexual healing, sacred sexuality. And to me, they were just more appropriate 
ways of assisting and guiding and supporting people through their journeys, through the unknown. So I've weaved so many of the different paths that I've taken in hopes that if there's one thing that lights up someone else, then I can support them in learning that more deeply. So yeah, it's been a road. It's been a wonderful road. Yeah. So now um, let's dive right into pleasure. Like how would you define pleasure? And then maybe we go right into the deeper one also, sexual pleasure. So that's a great distinction because I don't, so I believe that the word, some of these words, pleasure, arousal, that they've really been hijacked. And when people hear either one of those words, pleasure, arousal, they link it to sex. And pleasure is what made you choose the earrings that you are wearing today, Crystal? What made you choose the color? Because it's pleasing to you. So pleasure is anything that brings a pleasant sensation, um, a pleasant notion, a pleasant thought into your mind. Pleasing and pleasant, that's pleasure. So that's how I differentiate it. And when we increase the pleasure and bring as much pleasure as we can into a sexual experience, we enjoy it that much more. However, pleasure starts way before we cross the threshold into our bedrooms. What do you enjoy smelling? What do you enjoy tasting? What do you enjoy listening to, smelling? And what things in the world turn your sense of sight on. To me, none of that's sexual because I enjoy the smell of a fresh cut rose. I love a small sip of delicious red wine and a bite of dark chocolate. Those things are all pleasurable to me. We all have the capacity to experience pleasure and joy. It's innate in who we are as beings. And we forget to add pleasure into our lives because so many of us think it has to do with sex. And I'm here to say, no, please increase your pleasure. Enjoy the world around you and see how that translates into the rest of your life. And then when we go to sexual pleasure, what's, uh, how would you like uh, define that? Again, it's about what feels pleasant and what's enjoyable. There are so many ways that we can engage in sex in a hurried, distracted, um, not actually there, not truly present to the experience. And to me, that means that we've gone into that exchange or that uh, action or activity rather numb or rather neutral. And sexual pleasure is enjoying all of the senses the full body, not just the genitals or breasts, but the full body. How delicious can it feel if you or someone else strokes your hair, outlines your lips? Again, if you're enjoying that, it's pleasurable. And that's so beneficial for us to engage in more of that. Sex is the glue that keeps relationships going. And if it's not pleasurable sex, then I question why are we having it? 
Yeah. And so what do you think so many women, it seems like um, we don't allow ourselves to have pleasure, whether it's just like, um, you know, general pleasure or sexual pleasure. Is it sometimes, you know, you know so much about like what's actually lots of reasons behind there, but maybe you could mention a couple of uh, most common ones. Why do women stop having pleasure in general or sexual pleasure in their lives? So that's quite a complex question. And so what I will, the factors that do come into play is culturally, what has the culture taught us about female sexuality? What has the culture taught us about women's pleasure? What has the medical model taught us about our capacity in this um, a, a woman, um, in a female body? Do we learn that from our culture? I'm going to go further. Do we learn that in our household? As I said, I grew up with three sisters, even a female dog. You know, pleasure just wasn't part of the nomenclature because at that time it was don't get pregnant. Uh, AIDS had come on the scene in the 1980s. So it was actually don't die. We never had the learning and the education around sex positive messages. I like to say pleasure forward, let alone knowing how my body actually functions in this form. Most medical uh, literature around sexuality, it was studied using a, a, a male, a, a cock body. So we didn't learn it in school. We um, didn't learn it from our culture. There just aren't very many positive messages. We didn't learn it from church. However, if you look in the Bible, the Bible actually teaches so many beautiful things about sex and sexuality, but somehow that got lost. And so I think as we began to move forward through the ages, the Victorian age did nothing <laughs> to promote healthy female sexuality. It actually shut us down, shamed us. We were used for procreation, but the body, our bodies were used as recreation for someone else's pleasure, not our own. It didn't matter. Our climax was never really a part of the equation. But in order to create babies and further our species, the climax, the male climax is what they thought was necessary. And the only thing that was of importance was that spreading the seed. So there's so many factors involved in that. It's really complex. Yeah, and I so agree. Um, the same with me. Like um, I think when I was like 12 years old, I got to uh, start to read like some medical book about sexual organs and like uh, even like what is masturbation and so on. And no one talked about it. Um, even like when I got my first menstruation, I knew about it because my sister was um, basically starting hers earlier and I was already 17. Mine was still not going and I got so worried, like something's wrong with me and so on. And um, yeah, like um, it's it, all these issues were so taboo and so under the table. Um, you had to like figure it out yourself, basically. 
He did. And then I really want to talk about something that has impacted most of us in this world growing up. It's not easy. It's not easy to be in the world at this moment for so many different reasons. However, sexual trauma, unrealized sexual trauma, if you were abused, direct sexual abuse, that's rampant in our society. Indirect sexual abuse could be a glance or a gesture in a a boyfriend, girlfriend. Back in the day, your childhood sweetheart, you were so enthralled with that person. And in my case, I, I dated boys in high school. And this unwanted gesture in a car, pointing the head downward, that can create trauma, a trauma memory. It's not usually as gentle as what I just did to myself, but there's so much sexual trauma that is hidden because people take it upon themselves that they're bad, they're wrong, they're broken, they did something to deserve it. So I think that, you know, being aware of your past history and if there was incidents of sexual abuse sexual mistrust, misconduct. That's something that I highly, highly recommend that a person seeks guidance and counseling and support to get through that because it it does and will impact you the rest of your life, even if it's repressed down into the deepest part of our bodies. That's actually where the, the genitalia live in the deepest, darkest part of our bodies. And so that energy has a tendency to get trapped there. And that's trauma. So what's, uh, what's your suggestion? Um, where should someone start? Like, um, I remember this moment, I was doing a Lomi Lomi class in Hawaii. And I had a lady, she was like 88 or something, who was my partner with the massage. And she was really great. And then, um, you know, as you were telling, like, you know, you felt my energy. So my energy is oftentimes people just like open up and many times they just tell me secrets they've never told anyone. (laughs) So the same happened with this woman. And she told me how she was abused sexually when she was, you know, a teenager for years. And she had never told anyone that. And I said, oh my God, you're 88 and you, you carried it all your life. And you like, oh my God, like I can't even imagine. Mm. And it's, it's not only women who is doing that. There are so many other women. So what do you think is like something people can do first themselves before they get to the counselor or a therapist? Um, are there any steps they can start to work with this on, on, you know, on their own? I think absolutely. So forgiveness, self-forgiveness, really explore the, the role of the perpetrator versus what happened to you. More often than not, it was not your fault. You didn't do anything to create the situation. Just because you're young and wearing shorts and playful outside with your classmates, doesn't give anybody else the right to touch your body in an unwanted and uninvited manner. So my first request is that you look back and you just be so gentle with whatever small version of yourself. Say it happened at six years old and you're now 30, you're now 40, you're now 88. Just 
hold that six-year-old in your mind. Use your imagination to be gentle and kind and say to that younger version of yourself, and sexual abuse and trauma doesn't just happen with, with, uh, within the female body. So if we have any cock-bodied listeners, um, the same thing. Just hold on. And as your adult self say, I've got you. I'm here to protect you now. We didn't know any better. That person threatened our sisters, our brothers, my own life. I did the best I could. So self-forgiveness and realizing that you're not bad, wrong, broken, and then it wasn't your fault. And I think that if we can be loving and so gentle, there will probably be a lot of tears, have Kleenex nearby. After you stop moving through a big emotion, please get out in nature and listen to the birds. Have the sun on your face. Hear the water burbling, gurgling somewhere if you were able to get near water so that that energy can be cleansed. And if you're going to speak with someone, a therapist or a counselor, please get referrals. Please do your homework. Make sure that they are a trauma therapist if that is something that you actually do want to explore. Trauma therapists, not just trauma aware, but those are the wonderful service providers that can help you and hold you through the unpacking so that that doesn't continue to weigh you down until you're 88, like, like your, your Lomi Lomi partner. Yeah. And I so agree. It's like, um, um, I had an incident as a six-year-old, a family member was starting to play sexually with me and another family member. And of course, as a six-year-old, I didn't know. And we got a sexual disease as well. So um, it's like my grandmother discovered like, oh my God, you, you're sick. Like what happened? And I didn't even know that that was something wrong because I was just so young, right? And so um, once I got to the age, like I think I started to work with myself, like really um, already reading stuff um, as a teenager. And then when I got 18, I moved to a town where they had like a psychotrauma group so I started to like really work uh, with this and just recently what I discovered with this was that you know this family member and this situation played a huge role as of the biggest treasure in my life Mm -hmm. so um, when I went back in my life uh, looking at uh, two other big traumas which I had like you know in my life or relationships or whatever I saw a common theme I saw that it was always about setting boundaries because as a six-year-old, if I could have known that, you know, I could have said no to something which um, was like weird or I didn't know what it was, I would have said no, but no one had told me, you know, and also I trusted a family member, right? So um, stuff like that. And then also uh, going into this understanding, wow, setting boundaries, and then it's all about relationships. So what did I do all my life for 14 years? I traveled to 30 countries to find my Mr. Right. And I couldn't find him. First, I understood that there is no Mr. Right. (laughs) And then I just let that dream go. 
And I was like, okay, I'm ready to stay alone for the rest of my life. I'm fine. I'm just going to do my mission and this will fulfill me. And then two months later, I was in a Mexican fishing village and he just sails in with his white, beautiful boat, like in a movie, you know, and he is the king I'm married to happily, you know, celebrating the fifth anniversary this year. So quite a journey, right? And then understanding that, wow, this person, this family member was actually giving me a treasure, a gift like Crystal, your point is relationships you can be here as a beacon of light for others like not to give up there is someone special for them and that someone special to start with is yourself absolutely absolutely it all starts with with us the more we know the more we do our own inner work the more healing the better we are to actually be in partnership with someone else the better we are even if that relationship is with our children even if that relationship is with our parents, our coworkers, because it, it has to start with us. If the, the, the more self-aware I am, the more graciously I can move throughout the world. But if I have, if I'm spilling over and I don't, I'm not in consideration of my space versus someone else's space, I tend to bleed in to other people. And when we're not resourced, None of us are perfect, thank heavens. But when we're under-resourced, some of that can happen. And then ooh, we catch ourselves and we come right back into our center. So yes, that, that and, and going, going to your story as the six-year-old, it was a trusted family member. And family isn't supposed to hurt us. And so if it feels wrong, if it seems you use the word weird, if you are told to keep this quiet or else I will do X, mm-hmm. all of those things that wasn't supposed to happen to a six-year-old, not with what I imagined was an older family member. So you, yes, it, it definitely can create the a treasure box inside of us. And if you look through some of the most powerful leaders that really have done things to change humanity. They were also afflicted or scarred by some type of trauma. And they too used that experience and the growth after that to create other magnificent things in the world. So I love that you call them treasure boxes. Yeah. It's a very positive and very pleasurable spin. Yeah, and uh, when I went deeper, I understood also, you know, because um, when I found Michael was that time when I had taken like basically uh, several years to work with my inner family archetypes, you know, inner child, inner woman, inner man. And that last year, I really like worked on integrating all of them and listening and connecting and so on. I was so full of, you know, in a good way of myself that I was really like not feeling lack anymore. I was really happy with myself. And that created that shift in energy that I started to attract the right person instead of like chasing the person, you know. And then understanding also like, wow, my life mission, the reason why I maybe came to this world is the inner family archetype. So um, then after some time, people reached out to me and they were asking, hey, Crystal, um, how did you find Michael? Can you tell me? 
And I said, yeah, I was working with these inner family archetypes. Like, what's that? Like, tell me more. And then I just created like a little pilot group, like four months coaching, went through it with them. And then they went through it and they started to find their kings or new jobs or like new life and and everything. And then I realized like, wow, this is the way spirit is giving us those treasures from that treasure box. The problem is that most people are so busy or so like in their negative, you know, stuff that they, they miss it. Yes. They, they, it's so deeply buried or the, the, so deeply guarded, like the Pentagon, that building is almost in, in, impermeable. And so what I, what I'm going to bring, bring you back to also is that when you did the family archetypes, you were whole. And when yeah. you met Michael, you were whole. Yeah. You weren't looking for an exterior thing or person to fill who you are. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And yes, soon to be five years. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Because you knew me when I was all over, like from one like relationship to another. And there was just like a disaster. And I remember in my blog, I was like writing about love and relationships. And I had this Estonian like celebrity relationship coach taking contact with me and saying like you are discussed you should not talk about relationships you don't know anything about it because you you are not in a relationship at the time I wasn't so but um you know once I flipped it and understood where where the key is and that it truly is like I have to heal all of me all of those different parts and when people you know each person you have heard these like different you know voices in your head And these can be like, there's so many different parts of us who need love, who need healing, who need attention. But, you know, we need to also take that time and that consciousness and awareness and give it to them. Absolutely. And what you were doing, I, I, I actually remember some of of the relationships, but what you were doing is you were learning about yourself more deeply through each and every relationship. And if that, if the, person who commented on your blog, if they were actually aware of what they said, that would negate every priest giving someone who's in a marriage counseling. Yeah, because exactly. priests are and nuns are not allowed. That's not what the church allows. And so how can they say that they can't give guidance and support just because they're not in a marriage relationship? whether it's to the person who gave us the ring relationship is relationship, intimate relationships between friendships. And I am sorry that the person said, you know, how, how dare you, whatever the words were right about relationship, you aren't in relationship. Each and every one of the relationships that you were going through helped create who you are today. Exactly. So, you know, a little short-sighted as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, exactly. So, and also these people also many times, um, they are not fully aware or maybe, you know, that person was actually jealous that, you know, I was having so much fun. Yes, absolutely. You're following, you're following pleasure. Where is it going to yeah. take me? Where is it going to lead? And is it, relationships are are not easy. They're not all pleasure-based. I mean, we go through the ups and downs and we stick to it actually to learn more about, in my viewpoint, to learn more about ourselves. And it's the hardest thing ever 
to be faced with that mirror and that person with whom you learn through and hopefully who you learn with. So, but yes, you found your king. And so I'm not, I'm not going to even imagine that it's all roses and bottles of champagne because the real juice is actually in some of the struggles that we stay connected versus disconnecting. And we learn more deeply about each other and ourselves. And that just deepens, in my opinion, just deepens in my experience also just deepens the love. Yeah, you're so true. And, um, you know, we have been now in like married life for five years, know each other like over seven years. And sometimes when we look back at what we have experienced together, it feels like 50 or more years because, you know, we got to know each other in Mexico. Then we got to Hawaii. We married there. We lived there for some years. Then we moved to San Diego. Now we are here in Texas. Next will be Florida. Uh, all these trips to Estonia and England and stuff. So some people haven't done all of that with, you know, maybe ever, you know. No, so, they, don't, they yeah. don't leave the state that they were born in. Yeah. They, exactly. they, yeah, they raised the family in the same neighborhood where they were born. Yeah. So, I mean, all, all that, that life experience has taught you. Yeah, exactly. So that has connected us more, that has grown the love, um, you know, deeper and also understanding, you know, we all have our struggles and how can I actually be here to support, you know, my teammate, my life partner, my twin spirit, my king, you know, how can um, actually me as 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 his partner how can i grow better as a woman as a queen um and then how can i inspire him to become better as a human you know and that's been like um you know i didn't even know what it means to be a queen michael has really taught me like i didn't know what it was to you know be someone who you know doors are opened or stuff is carried or stuff is taken care of like I was just that, you know, workhorse woman from Estonia to survive. I had to take care of everything. I couldn't like trust anyone, trust a man. No way. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that, that's, that's the independent spirit that you are is very different than being fiercely independent and having to do it all your own. Yeah. And so there's great difficulty in many women when when they go to receive yeah it's that, very difficult so yeah. you're receiving the the kindness and the generosity of somebody opening the door for you it's hard for us because it's nose to the grindstone survival mode in this in this um male dominated the male dominated cultures that that we both lived in um, you know I've never been to Estonia going soon but through all that you've been telling me I mean it was a very male dominated culture so to break free of that and actually settle down and drop into the deepest parts of relaxation and then receive from that place it's way more pleasurable so you're leading what, what I say actually in our book is we coined the term living a pleasure filled life, a pleasure forward life is actually the, the uh, term that we coin. And if you think uh, if a sommelier 
a wine connoisseur comes to your table to offer you a glass of wine, they will say, this is such and such forward. This is whatever. And so I realized that I enjoy most the fruit forward red wines. And, and I started to talk to this sommelier about how pleasurable it was to sniff the glass as he brought it to me, to watch it swirl around, and then to taste it just at the forefront of my mouth. And I was like, this is the most pleasure forward glass of wine. And so the, the, the term carried on from there. But how can we lead pleasure-filled lives? I'm not necessarily saying something of extravagance. I don't have to have a $400,000 boat. I don't even have to have a $4 boat. I can live with pleasure and surround myself in an environment that's gorgeous. I can choose clothes that I love to wear. Pleasure is always available to us. We need to tune in and turn toward it. And that's actually a very selfless, progressive, revolutionary act that we women can do for ourselves. It's that caretaking has to go an extra step. If, it's, if it truly is running uh, 10 miles a day, I am going to ask that, that a person who runs 10 miles a day, take your earbuds out next time, run through the forest, run on the beach and just listen to nature, see what you can do in amping up the sensual pleasures. That's a more, that in my opinion, is a more pleasure uh, forward run. If we really, not just, oh, you know, I haven't burned any calories today. And last night I had that second piece of cake, I better get out there. But can you reframe that run to what route is going to be pleasurable for me today? So there's simple, simple things that we can do to lead more pleasure forward lives. Yeah, and I really like your invitation to not only like sniff it, but really like uh, put your toe in, you know, <laughs> uh, that little thing, just, you know, take your earplugs out because nowadays, you know, wherever you are, even in the gym or whatever, you know, everyone is plugged in, like uh, yeah. covered, you know, so you almost don't like hear like what's going on everyone is in their caves so um we have this really nice little um forest kind of like park here and we have lots of squirrels there and uh -huh. i always like to just go and it's just i think my inner child is just over the moon happy to see all the squirrels and it's just so exciting there's just so tiny cute um, animals and just bring so much pleasure to just like, you know, observe what they're doing and where they're going. And then a couple of them like start to like, you know, play around with each other and hide and seek or whatever, you know, chase each other around and just bring so much joy as well. Oh, so absolutely. I, I made a post in uh, my private Facebook group this morning. My husband and I went hiking with our dog and it was the end of a really long hike, but the dog just loves to have uh, his head out the window. And I saw him in the rearview mirror and I took a picture of him and even animals, even dogs feel, feel pleasure. How could, with that photograph, how could you not see the joy that this dog was experiencing and, and exuding in this just wind blown crazy, you know, dog facial expression. And 
animals don't keep baggage like, like we do. So what happened yesterday is not still on my dog's mind. He's not still um, holding a grudge from the fact that I served him dinner two hours late last week. So can, what can we do to shake things off? What can we do to have responsibility for ourselves? And okay, was that intentional what that person did? did? Was there harm? You know, like, okay, that might relate to what my sister did to me and whatever. So if we can be responsible and say, okay, that was just, it was a simple oversight or maybe even possibly a mistake. If it was a mistake, I might want to talk to that person like, what you did that really upset me or hurt my feelings. Can we talk about it? But if it's something that you got triggered by, then can you let it go so that it doesn't burden you or weigh you down? I'm going to go back to the 88-year-old Lomi Lomi. Oh, she carried that for 88 years. What can you unburden in a moment, in a flash? Sexual trauma, it's, it's a lot to unwind. So I'm not saying that anybody should let that go, get over it. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what can we do to turn toward pleasure, move away from neutral experiences? If you actually don't like running, stop doing it. Maybe you want to go to the pool. Maybe you want to be exactly like Crystal and find a dolphin pod that you can swim with. It's not easy living in Texas. But yeah. knowing you as I do, maybe you find a Watsu pool nearby. Mm-hmm. So if we can stop doing, we have to do things that are neutral. Quite honestly, there are things that we also have to do that are not so pleasant. But if we can balance that quotient and find like ways to bring more enjoyment and pleasure into our lives, then we're tipping the scale in pleasure's favor. Yeah, and I did want to say, because I didn't send it to you, Crystal, the takeaway or the um, the giveaway, the gift that I'm going to give for anyone who is experiencing pain, we have um, a five-step process that they can do at home by themselves, and I will send you that document so that you can link that. It's five exercises to help decrease pain, and that's something that a woman can do in the privacy of her own home all by herself so that it makes any experience of being penetrated, whether it's a tampon, whether it's a speculum at a gynecologist, whether it's in partnered play or solo play, it makes that experience of penetration more um, uh, less fraught with tightness and tension and pain. So that's my gift to the listeners. Thank you so much. Uh, we will link it to a special gift page. And so everyone can um, download that one and also put it to work. So thank you for your generosity. So, so amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for all the amazing stories and tips and tools uh, you shared. You truly are a um, real beacon of pleasure, lighthouse in the world. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm so glad I could be um, a little part of that, um, yeah, being a little loudspeaker for pleasure. So thank you. Thank you. you. Of course. Thank yeah. you to all the listeners too. My pleasure. Yeah. yeah. 
And to all of our listeners and viewers, please, as always, like, share and comment. And also, if you would like to support the podcast, there is also a donation link where you can uh, click. And um, the best thing is also when you really enjoy our episodes, please also take the moment to write your review to our Facebook page, which you can find by Abundance in Action uh, podcast uh, username or in iTunes, because um, there everything matters what you say as well. And good stuff is always even better when you share. So thank you so much. Until the next time, mahalo. Mahalo. Thank you.